Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur and you're driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. This is a podcast brought to you by Faith Driven Entrepreneur. You can check us out at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. Please send us any questions, any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you, and any thoughts about or questions on being a faith-driven entrepreneur. So glad everybody's joined us today. I am very blessed to have two good friends with me here today, Mr. Henry Kaysner and Mr. Dave Blanchard. Um, we're just really excited to, to get going and, and share some some great thoughts with everyone here on the podcast. Uh, the first question that we have comes in from a, a friend here in San Francisco named Marty that says, you know, what does it look like to have a calling to start enterprises? And, you know, that is a big question. The question of calling is one I think we're going to explore uh, numerous times on this podcast in multiple different ways. Uh, but we have a guest here who works with people all the time that are th- asking this question. So we're excited to, to talk to Dave here today. So welcome. Yeah, and I'm going to butt in and, and even see if I can do a quick intro of my good friend Dave. Dave, when we think about people that have the type of heart and passion we do to be able to encourage entrepreneurs in the marketplace, I can't think of anybody who does a better job of it or thinks about it more, is more prayerful about it, and has done more things on it than Dave Blanchard. Dave set up an incredible ministry maybe six years ago now uh, with his partner, Josh Kwan, uh, called Praxis. And so... Dave, uh, it's really, really cool for us to have you on the program. Will you please tell everybody what Praxis is all about? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks, uh, Henry and William, for having me. It's great to be here on the Faith Driven Entrepreneur and so excited about you taking this message out to so many people in so many different places. So Praxis uh, emerged about seven years ago in a co-founding relationship with uh, a wonderful man, Josh Kwan, um, who's out in the Bay Area. And when we came together, we thought... I think similar to as you do on the podcast here that Christian entrepreneurs have a particular conversation that's going on in their head and they don't have a lot of places to process it. Uh, They don't have people to think about it with. Uh, There's not a lot of great content out there necessarily. Um, We've been the the beneficiaries of, of many, many years of a faith and work conversation that I think we stand on the shoulders of. But entrepreneurship has a, has a uniquely particular lens to it. And when Josh and I came together, we thought, uh, how could we create some spaces and places for entrepreneurs to be provided mentorship, uh, community, and uh, discernment in the process of, of building ventures that are uh, across a lot of different sectors, a lot of different countries, a lot of different sizes of scope and ambition. And um, uh, so we started that with an accelerator. And over the course of seven years, have had the, the privilege of working with about 150 entrepreneurs in 40 different countries doing all sorts of amazing things that they've been called to in different ways. And uh, we've seen them process through the trials of that, celebrated alongside them in the successes of that, and ultimately seen them uh, grow, I think, as both entrepreneurs and as Christians in the same step, which has been a beautiful thing. Uh, At this point, our organization exists to advance redemptive entrepreneurship, which is a a term we, we talk about that relates to how does a Christian entrepreneur set about um, having a strategy that pushes the, the ethical into the renewal of our broader society, which can cover a, a large swath of things? Anybody can have a redemptive strategy. And then also, how do we go about doing that in a uniquely Christian way? How do we not only uh, use people to 
benefit ourselves and our businesses, but actually bless them along our journey. And I know that's a lot of the conversation that is going to be happening on Faith Driven Entrepreneur. And so right now we're really privileged to serve uh, a dozen businesses and a dozen nonprofits every year through our accelerators. We work with students through Praxis Academy, uh, a couple hundred a summer who come from about 80 different schools around the world who are interested in faith and entrepreneurship. Uh, and uh, a broader community of practice around this idea of investors and philanthropists and creatives uh, who are doing really amazing work in a lot of different places. And uh, we just count it as a privilege to, uh, to serve them. It's been absolutely awesome watching you guys uh, prosper and flourish and, and work with these folks. I, I think that, as I'm hearing from you now, there are going to be lots of different episodes we might do together. I'd love at some point in time that profile the work, for instance, of John Hart from Praxis Academy. And I know from getting some initial feedback from some folks that there are a number of college students that listen to this podcast. And there's no mm-hmm. better program I know of that is able to really intentionally build out the spiritual life of entrepreneurs and help encourage them, inspire them, and surround them with mentors and thoughts about funding and and uh, and people who've been to these places before they've been, people like Peter Greer and at Hope International and a whole bunch of people that can help somebody who's got a heart passion for God and entrepreneurship but really feels like they want to get involved in Africa. Well, how do I even get started? Well, that's some of the things that John Hart's able to do in the academy. So we're going to hit that and so many other things, hopefully, over the life of this podcast. Let's go back into what William had asked at the outset. So this is this question came in from Marty. It's about calling. Undoubtedly, you hear a lot of this with people at Praxis, and you help them to sort through it. How do you do that? Yeah, well, it's a, a topic of, of conversation, I think, worth noting that is not merely just to start an enterprise, but to continue in one or to start a new one. It's Calling is a conversation that is alive throughout our lives as Christians. Uh, but I think... There is a distinct question that folks have. Perhaps this is Marty's question of uh, maybe I'm in school or I'm in another job uh, or I'm thinking about what I should do next. And I have this question, should I be an entrepreneur? Uh, And that's a a complicated question. I think, uh, first of all, there are uh, certain indicators that perhaps you should not start an enterprise. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's worth paying attention to those. Sometimes we get caught up in the cultural current and think that uh, everybody's going into investment banking and management consulting. Maybe I should do that. And so we just get pulled into those sectors because we look around ourselves. And entrepreneurship has that vibe today where it feels like everyone should consider it if you're a high capacity leader. Um, I would say, you know, take take stock of your own risk profile. Uh, your own self-drive, your initiative, uh, things like that. Those are actually ways that uh, God skilled you and gifted you, and not everyone should be an entrepreneur. In fact, one of the biggest blessings that every entrepreneur will will say are people who are sure that they should not start their own thing but want to contribute to something that's growing and, mm-hmm. and build it with them. And so you might consider – uh, should you get into entrepreneurship vis-a-vis another means than being the founder CEO? Uh, because there's uh, so much need in that way. Uh, at the same time, if you're thinking, maybe I should start an organization, how should I do that? Um, I would first try to maybe break down a couple myths that I think are present in that uh, conversation. First is that uh, people decide whether they're going to start a venture or not. Now, certainly you you do that, um, but it's not a lot of times in a singular moment. A lot of the organizations we see started through a side project, a small business, maybe it was something that was in their family. 
there's so many different pathways to, to starting an enterprise that feel distinctly different than waking up one day and saying, I'm called to it and I'm doing it. Um, in fact, I love what uh, Stephen Johnson, he's a, a secular author, uh, wrote a book called Where Good Ideas Come From. And he talks about this idea of the slow hunch mm. that um, we think there's eureka moments where we come up with this brilliant idea and we set about on our calling. But really, most, most ideas have been percolating in our minds um, and in our networks for um, 10 years, five years and uh, one day we actually realize it crystallizes into something that we say, you know what, I think I might actually be called to do this. And a lot of times um, that comes from a mix of, of experiences and possibilities. And uh, I would say also prototypes. We have a, a friend of ours, a practice mentor, his name's Dave Evans. He, he taught a class called Designing Your Life at Stanford. Um, he's featured on our practice course. Uh, talking about this idea of uh, prototyping as a pathway to calling. He, he, he postulates that the, the biggest challenge for people a lot of times is thinking that faith is equated to certainty when it is actually the opposite of that. Um, and that the way we can discern our calling is by trying things, not by waiting for a divine word from God that says, you are meant to be a billion-dollar tech founder, or you are meant to start a small small business coffee shop in your local neighborhood. But you know that we might just start small things and and discover where we're going. So, I think uh, I think those are pathways to discovering what calling is. Um, and uh, over time, you realize, uh, you know, God has put me in a in a particular place with particular gifts and a particular. Uh, possibility set. And uh, it's, it's probably worth doing and, and taking on some faith. You know, as you talk through that, it makes me think of the, the talk I heard from Tim Keller about whether he was called to start Redeemer or not, and mm. whether he had this moment of conviction that it was something he needed to do. And, and he talked about the fact that he went through the spiritual disciplines of praying and fasting and seeking the counsel of others, but he never really felt this like clear thing. Um, and yet, uh, in retrospect, he looks back and he sees it very much that he was called as he sees God's plan through his life and how he's able to bless Redeemer. When you started Praxis, you had an idea and you tried it and you went on your hunch. Can you talk about uh, your own story, both from a spiritual lens about, God, is this what you really want me to do? Is this an ambition that is mine or is it yours? And did you test it out? And what were some things about your own entrepreneurial journey? And you'd been an entrepreneur before too, but in particular with practice and getting started, what was your experience? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I think it was a unique experience for me in the sense that it was the first time I had tried to discern whether God wanted me to do a venture what versus did I, did I personally want to do it? Because I'd come back into my faith in a significant way um, just a, a few years prior. And, you know, the, the, the bit of the backstory there is, you know, I was at a design firm IDO and I was getting an opportunity to help them create a practice that supported startups and worked on an equity basis. And through that, I had a, had a great opportunity to do a bunch of research relative to other firms that were doing this, the Y Combinators, Techstars, talk to their founders and their partners. And much to my surprise, found that there was this market gap effectively where Christian entrepreneurs weren't really being uh, supported. There, there was not a whole lot of conversation around faith and calling uh, in those situations. It was really around, you know, how big is the business that you're going to build? 
So that, so that was the first kind of insight. And I, you know, I didn't necessarily think that was mine to solve, uh, but I was curious about it. And I think the, the two other things that I would say were very significant in discerning a calling to start this was, was who, who's out there that could come alongside me and do it with me. And then are there other broader people who, uh, who would kind of suggest this is a good idea? Um, not that you always want to just take the temperature of the market, but you know, Andy Crouch in his book, Culture Making, talks about uh, groups of three, groups of 12, and groups of 120 uh, as far as uh, how ideas go out into the world. And so I think you know, the, um, the, the first evidence point that there was possibility here was uh, my partnership with Josh. I had made a short list of uh, about 30 people who I thought needed to be uh, involved in some way or could contribute to the idea and bolded about four of them uh, who I thought if, if one of these people says, yes, this thing could really be possible. And Josh was one of those one of those folks. And in talking to him, realized that he, too, had had, had this similar hunch and sense over the, the prior uh, year or so. And um, so as soon as we talked to each other, we thought gosh, maybe, maybe God is doing something here um, that, that could, be, could be done together. So I think, I think that's an important thing to note when you're pursuing things. Is there someone who you can do this with? Yeah. And then Josh and I spent a year talking to about 150 different people, mentors, entrepreneurs, investors, who uh, weren't going to make or break uh, whether we were going to do this or tell us what our calling was, but certainly were going to give us a sense to whether we were discerning what God might be doing in his grander story. Mm. And I think um, I love, you know, Philip Yancey says to not look for what God wants to do through you, but to look where God is moving and see if you can get to the current. And uh, I love that idea. And I think Josh and I were fortunate to see a current of Christian entrepreneurs uh, who were working out in the world and entrepreneurship in general in the world. And to be able to, to jump in through, uh, advice and, uh, and kindness and generosity from a lot of those, those uh, other individuals really made me think, hey, you know, this is where God's placed me yeah. um, with people and, and with, this, with this idea. So it's got to be somewhat validating when the guy who wrote the book on culture making decides to come on board with you. That's going to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, adding Andy to, uh, to our practice team has been um, a little surreal. Uh, he joined us in March and... Uh, you know, I, I think it honestly, it just speaks to his tremendous humility. Judgment. And, what's that? <laughs> his tremendous judgment. Yeah, his, tre- his tremendous judgment and discernment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, his his humility in being you know, one of the leaders in, I think, our faith from a, a kind of a public intellectual perspective, um, being willing to join a, uh, a, a growing team. Um, and, and also to, you know, seeing him practice what he preaches, he really believes in the institution and the organization as a carrier of culture change and possibility. And so he, you know, personally says, I, I would love to be a part of an organization that embodies the things I care about most. And so, yeah, that's been amazing and uh, never, you know, was in our wildest dreams when we started. <laughs> Super cool. Super cool. And it's, it is great, though, for us to see these different signposts along the way that indeed God's a part of it and he's given us some encouragement. And yet, at the same time, there are undoubtedly times over the last seven years that you felt kind of in the darkness and the valley of the shadow of death. And so a, a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to this um, 
may be in that right now, where they think that they had a calling, they went through, they fasted, they prayed, they talked to other people, they got a sense, they had some initial success and felt good and felt that they had some confirmation, but they're going through a period right now where it's, maybe it's a little harder. Did you have an experience yeah. like that, and, and what did you do? Yeah, you know, um, thanks for bringing that up. That is certainly a major question for the, the Christian entrepreneur, and you know, I think at this point, it's, it's somewhat easy to speak about it because practice is working and has worked. Um, but there have certainly been moments where whether it's a cash crisis or a key entrepreneur dropping out of one of your first programs before mm. it starts when you, yeah. when you are counting on that, uh, things like that. And you just kind of have to take an inventory of those first moments of, you know, do I, do I still believe that God was asking me to do this? And I think the real difficulty comes when the organization actually doesn't work. And, and that is possible. And I, I fully believe you can be called to something that doesn't work and that you can demonstrate your faith in failure, uh, sometimes more than you can in success. Uh, that That's a great, uh, but hold on a second. That was really yeah. important. I don't want to just gloss over that. That you can be called to something even if it doesn't work, which connotes, of course, that God knew that it wouldn't work but you can demonstrate your faith through that. So just yeah. keep on going. Yeah. And you know, none of us, none of us want to be the people on that, um, on that side of the, the equation, right? We, we don't want to experience that, but it is certainly a clear way that God uses us. And I think it uses people in, in biblical history. And also we have to see ourselves as um, tools in a much, much larger story. You know, there are things happening that we can't possibly see. I'm reminded of one of our mentors, Nancy Duarte, who talks about a, a company that her and her husband um, funded to the tune of six figures. Uh, they hoped it was an internal endeavor and hoped it, that it would work. And business-wise, it totally failed. But the people that they put together on the project got married. Uh. And <laughs> they kind of said to themselves, like, like, well, would we – not when we unwind this and, and say we shouldn't have done it. No way. Cause like these incredible people found each other. It's quite and a wedding gift, was, quite a wedding yeah. gift, the six figure wedding gift. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, so who, who knows how, how God works, but you know, one other thing too, I'd say here is I, I can't help but notice that some of the most, uh, significant ventures emerge out of crisis moments. And really, and, and maybe also most significant decisions inside of an enterprise. Mm. One of our, uh, another one of our mentors and friends, David Weekly, who started the largest private home builder in uh, America, $2 billion a year. They've built 80,000 homes, I think. The 1980s crisis that basically broke the bank and forced him to sell his own home, if you can imagine that as a home builder, uh, was the moment where he recommitted 50% of his time and 50% of his uh, income to uh, different endeavors to serve the Lord. And um, that, you know, it took a moment of real organizational crisis for him to really connect with the Lord again in that deep structural way. It's really good, Dave. I mean, we're, we're getting towards the, the end of the session, I think, but I'd love to know as someone who's lived and breathed this for a long time, you know, when you meet a potential entrepreneur 
that is thinking about, you know, am I called to do this? Am I, am I called to go this way? You've given a lot of great resources here. I just wonder, are there, are there other great resources that you think someone could turn to, um, to help figure this out uh, along the journey? Yeah. You know, um, one of my favorite resources relative to this is a super simple Venn diagram that was done by this guy, Bud Cadell. Uh, mm-hmm. and he, he puts three circles, uh, in, you know, in the Venn and one of them is what we love to do. Uh, one of them is, uh, what we're good at. And the other one is what we can be paid to do. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that all three of those things are really important. And it's likely that each of us, enters through one of those lenses primarily. Maybe we think I'm going to get a great paying job. Uh, and then we really kind of need to figure out, Hey, is there, is there, you know, more here, uh, that I can, where I can be something I really love and that I'm, that I'm good at. Uh, maybe, um, maybe we, we try to enter through the lens of, you know, passion and, Oh, what, what is it that I love? But sometimes that falls short if you can't figure out a way to get paid to do it, or maybe you're not that good at it. So, (laughs) I think, I think life and, and calling and vocation and really where God put us, because caring for our families and being able to even make a living is an important thing as well. Uh, at the center of those three things is really, a, I think, the ability for us to be in uh, where, where God has put us, how we think about calling, how we think about multivocational calling, our care for um, the people around us, and also, I think, gives us the longest-term possibility to really have holy ambition and do something really big and uh, amazing and to set our imaginations on fire because uh, we, we can't really do that if it's not something that we love. Um, it doesn't have to be the thing. I don't, I don't think calling right. is about the thing, but uh, we, can't, we can't really do it if we don't love it, and we certainly can't do it if we're not good at it and if we can't make a living either. So I think that, that Bud Cadell framework is something I go back to um, and go back to that with entrepreneurs on a frequent basis to, uh, to consider, you know, how do they do that? I'd also, you know, just recommend from a resources perspective, Dave Evans book on designing your life. I think that's a really great practical tool for thinking about what's next. I also, uh, am a fan of Steve Garber's book, visions of vocation, Mm -hmm. um, which I think really talked to us about like, what are we responsible for in the world and how do we think about that? Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I, you know, I guess, uh, just personally from a practice perspective, uh, would recommend folks consider the Praxis course. It's a it's a six week video course that uh, takes you through some great thinking from Andy Crouch, John Tyson, Dave Evans, some of the, the names of folks I'm mentioning. Allows you to lead that in a group in your your own uh, local community. And you know I would I guess I, I would maybe close on that note from a resources perspective. I think the the best resources are the friends in your life. They know you. Uh, they hopefully many of them share your faith. Uh, and if they're willing to talk with you through some of these frameworks and ideas, they can help you discern uh, where God might be pointing you as well. It's a, it's a hard thing to try to discern calling um, on an island and uh, probably not recommended. Yeah, that's great, Dave. Thanks so much for bringing that up. And I love how you guys designed the practice course as somebody who's uh, who's been through it to, to be done in a group, in community, right? Bo- books are great to read. Some of the ones you mentioned are, are incredible. Uh, but I think that's a fantastic point that, you know, unless you're in a group of people that know you really well, where you can be known for something this deep in your soul, right? I mean, it, it's hard for that to come out alone in a room with a book. Um, you know, obviously it can happen and God works in mysterious ways, uh, but but on average, probably more often in community. 
So, yeah. Dave, this is this is a really busy week for you. You've got the the summit that's coming up this week, and you're hosting. 350, 400 people from all over the world for this. So thank you for carving out some time to speak with our audience and being an encouragement. I, we want to encourage everybody to check out this website, praxislabs.org, and on it you'll find more information about the for-profit program and not-for-profit program and the academy, and of course this course, which I highly recommend. Just an easy way to get together with other people in your church, and maybe you're called to lead it. Check it out, and then maybe go to your pastor and say, listen, I want to put in a bulletin announcement, get together a group of people, and we're going to go through this thing. Uh, and if you do that, let us know how it went, and we'll share your story online, and I know that Dave would find that as encouragement as well. Dave, thank you very much. Totally my pleasure. Thanks, Henry and William. Thank you so much for joining us on the Faith Driven Entrepreneur podcast. Please go to faithdrivenentrepreneur.org and let us know if you have any questions, any of those tough ones that you'd like us to tackle. If you have any videos, articles, sermons, or podcasts that have been helpful to you on your journey, we'd love to see them too. Just send them our way. Lastly, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you in any way, We'd appreciate you commenting, sharing it with others, and subscribing. This podcast would not be possible without help from many of our friends. Music by Carl Cadwell. You can see more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. And editing by Johnny Shue.